caught on camera. The Pentagon releasing classified footage showing Chinese jets coming dangerously close to American aircrafts. But it's not a one-off. The PRC can and must end this behavior, full stop. An unprecedented joint message. The U.S., U.K., Canada, Australia and New Zealand joining together to call out Beijing on technology theft. There is no greater threat to innovation than the Chinese government. Another unprecedented move. I'm announcing that Syngenta, a Chinese state-owned agrochemical company, must give up its land holdings in Arkansas. And Russian President Putin meets Chinese leader Xi Jinping. Russia and China pledging solidarity as war rages in the Middle East. Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Beijing is upping its mid-air aggression against U.S. military. More Chinese fighter jets are coming dangerously close to American aircraft in international airspace. In some cases, as close as 20 feet. It's not just one or two close calls. The U.S. has seen more than 180 such incidents, more in the last two years than in the decade before that. The PRC can and must end this behavior. Full stop. PRC stands for China's official name, the People's Republic of China. The Pentagon on Tuesday releasing classified videos of the close encounters over the South China Sea and around Taiwan. In one clip, the Chinese jet came within 20 feet of the U.S. plane. Another clip shows a Chinese jet flying 10 feet below a U.S. plane. In yet another close encounter, a Chinese jet again just 20 feet from an American jet. A different video shows a Chinese jet alternating between flying above and below a U.S. aircraft, about 40 feet away. The American pilot radioed the Chinese jet. The Chinese pilot responded with an expletive. In another case, four Chinese jets intercepted a U.S. plane. A Chinese pilot came within 40 feet and took photos of the U.S. jet. The United States will not be deterred or coerced. We will continue to fly, sail and operate safely and responsibly wherever international law allows. This comes as the U.S.-China relations plunging to their lowest points in decades. Beijing cut off high-level defense talks following then-U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's visit to Taiwan last year. The commander of U.S. Indo-Pacific Command has been trying to meet with his Chinese counterparts for over two years, but to no avail. With the war between Israel and Hamas reaching new heights, the West is still keeping an eye on the Chinese Communist Party. Intelligence chiefs from the U.S., U.K., Canada, Australia and New Zealand are warning of an unprecedented threat from Beijing. Watch. The Five Eyes Intelligence Network is targeting Beijing's intellectual property theft, in particular within the private sector and academic institutions. There is no greater threat to innovation than the Chinese government in the private sector in particular, um, seemingly innocuous joint ventures, investments, other kinds of transactions which are designed to facilitate or enable the threat. So part of what makes it so challenging is all of those tools deployed in tandem uh, at a scale uh, that the likes of which we've never seen. All nations seek secrets and all nations seek strategic advantage, but the behavior we're talking about here goes well beyond traditional espionage. And the threat is that we have the Chinese government 
engaged in the most sustained, scaled and sophisticated theft of intellectual property and acquisition of expertise that is unprecedented in human history. The forum was held at Stanford University in the heart of Silicon Valley. The U.S. has long accused China of intellectual property theft, but this is the first time the Five Eyes members have joined together to call out Beijing on those allegations. Key areas include quantum technology, robotics, biotechnology, and artificial intelligence. The Biden administration plans to cut off more shipments of advanced microchips to China. The sweeping update to chip restrictions was issued on Tuesday and will include cutting-edge NVIDIA chips used to build artificial intelligence technology. NTD's morning show co-hosts Evelyn Lee and Kevin Hogan spoke with business show host Don Ma for details. We have seen the Biden administration do something similar before, so what's the difference this time? Yeah, Evelyn, you're right. Uh, the Biden administration has done this before. Uh, last year, the U.S. unveiled new restrictions on shipments of AI chips and chip-making tools to China. But it seems uh, even with that, uh, Chinese companies were still able to gain access to advanced American artificial intelligence chips uh, through a loophole. Um, so what that loophole was, uh, was that subsidi subsidiaries of Chinese companies that are located overseas could still give their hands on these AI semiconductors. Uh, so this new round of curbs, uh, which go into effect in 30 days, uh, aims to close this loophole. And the restrictions will probably be updated at least annually now. Don, what's been Beijing's response to all this? Yeah, you know, just the usual response. A spokesperson for the Chinese embassy said uh, it firmly opposes the new restrictions, uh, says uh, the curbs goes against the principles of market economy and fair competition. But Kevin, you know, that's not really true because the Biden administration said that China will still be able to import hundreds of billions of dollars worth of U.S. semiconductors because the goal here is to actually just limit China's access to advanced semiconductors that fuel uh, uh, breakthroughs in artificial intelligence for the Chinese military. And Kevin, this is indeed happening, according to a report from Georgetown University's Center for Security and Emerging Technology. The, the report found that most of the computer chips used in China's military were made by NVIDIA, Intel, and others. So, you know, in 2022, the Biden administ administration felt it needed to stop that. It wants to stop having U.S. technology modernizing Beijing's military. No U.S. farmland for China. Arkansas Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders announced that her state will force a Chinese company to give up farmland there. She says her state is the first in the nation to take this kind of action. Here's what else she had to say. I'm announcing that Syngenta, a Chinese state-owned agrochemical company, must give up its land holdings in Arkansas. Syngenta owns 160 acres in northeast Arkansas which it uses primarily for seed research. The company that owns Syngenta, Kim China, is also on the Department of Defense's list of Chinese military companies posing a clear threat to our state. The governor noted that seas are a form of technology. She raised concerns the company could use them to target American farms. She added that the issue is about loyalty to the U.S. American farm groups and lawmakers are ramping up scrutiny on foreign land ownership. That's due to concerns about national security, especially when the land is located near U.S. military bases. 
Back to the Chinese company called Syngenta. It was ordered to sell 100 acres of land it owns in the state. The area is only about one-tenth of what it owns in total. Syngenta was American-owned, but was bought by a state-owned Chinese enterprise called ChemChina in 2017. The deal, worth $43 billion, marked the largest ever foreign acquisition for China at the time. Russia and China pledging solidarity as war grips the Middle East. Putin saying common threats are bringing the two countries closer together. He's in Beijing for China's Belt and Road Forum. Let's take a closer look. A one-to-one -one conversation between Russian President Vladimir Putin and Chinese leader Xi Jinping. Besides praising Xi's Belt and Road Infrastructure Initiative, Putin emphasized greater coordination with China. In the current difficult conditions, close foreign policy coordination is especially necessary, which is what we are doing, and today we'll discuss all of this, including our bilateral relations. Cross-border trade between the two countries is also on the rise. Putin said trade volume between them could surpass 200 billion this year. Putin said his meeting with Xi spanned three hours. It covered topics including economy, political interaction and joint work on international platforms. The two also discussed the situations in the Middle East and Ukraine. Putin says common threats will only strengthen cooperation between Moscow and Beijing. Meanwhile, Xi Jinping praised strengthening ties between China and Russia, saying bilateral trade has reached an all-time high. Xi said the two nations are moving toward a goal of $200 billion in trade. As for political partnership, the Chinese leader reminded Putin that they have met 42 times over the past decade. And a rare image, as President Putin arrived in Beijing, he was filmed with military officers while carrying a nuclear briefcase. The briefcase is with Putin at all times, but is rarely filmed. The U.S. president also has such a device. It holds secure phone capabilities that would allow the leader to authorize a nuclear strike. Worth noting, the Russian parliament just agreed to revoke approval of a global nuclear test ban treaty. Moscow describes the move as putting it on par with Washington. Now turning to economic updates, China's exports and imports both fell in September compared to a year ago. Official data showed imports and exports sliding 6.2 percent. An official told reporters at a briefing that China's foreign trade would see a lot of challenges in the rest of the year. Meanwhile, German carmaker Volkswagen is delivering fewer vehicles in China, its top market. The decline totaled 5.8 percent, but its deliveries in Europe and the U.S. saw strong demand. Two other high-end German carmakers, Mercedes-Benz and BMW, said their third quarter sales in China also fell. China has become a tough market for automakers as it deals with uncertain consumer demand and supply chain issues. Moving on to a roundup from mainland China, Ye Zhong, a man from the southeastern city of Fuzhou, reportedly died in police custody. His wife also went missing days after his arrest last month. A local official said that Ye died from a heart attack. But according to his close friends, Ye endured severe torture from authorities while in custody. His house was forcibly demolished by local authorities nine years ago. Since then, he's repeatedly visited petition bureaus to file complaints and seek justice. 
Petitioners are often suppressed by authorities. Forced demolition is a common practice in China. Under Chinese law, homeowners don't actually own the land their homes sit on. Instead, they lease the land from China for a period of years. Authorities may decide to take back rights to a piece of land in order to sell or develop it for more profitable projects. Residents usually receive little to no compensation. Next, a letter to a Chinese official. The wife of the prominent Chinese legal activist, Hao Jingsong, sent an open letter to the regime's chief prosecutor and the president of its highest court. In it, she said that her husband was tortured by police while detained. Hao's work in defending citizens' rights brought him multiple awards and favorable coverage from Chinese state-run media 10-plus years ago. But early this year, he received a nine-year prison sentence for what Beijing called picking quarrels and provoking trouble, a charge often used to silence dissent. The indictment cited Hao's social media posts and comments, saying some of them had, quote, caused confusion in the public. An unusual kind of training school hidden away in Tanzania, Africa. But standard classroom curriculum doesn't apply here. Instead, it's where the Chinese Communist Party is teaching African leaders about its brand of authoritarian rule. And it's presented as an alternative to democracy. Chinese and African officials paint the facility as helping economic and social development on the continent. That's through training the next generation of leaders. But underneath that lesson plan is a strong focus on politics. According to Western media that visited the school, students are taught how a country's ruling party can solidify its power from there based on China's Communist Party model. It should go on to wield more power than the state itself or its courts. That strategy shared by a staff of Chinese teachers from Beijing. The school opened its doors last year. Beijing Central Party School provided the $40 million needed to build it. Worth noting, the CCP school trains Beijing's top leaders. The school falls in line with Chinese efforts to export communist ideology, weaken the West, and change the status quo on the international stage. Another big story to look out for, Marxism meets Islam. A closer look into the so-called Red-Green Alliance related to the terrorist attacks on Israel, with red being communists and green being radical Islamists. Stay tuned for more coming up tomorrow on China in Focus. But still today, here's what's coming up. Differing statements from world leaders on the Israel-Hamas war. What influence does communist China have on the war? And where is Washington's focus amid multiple overseas conflicts? We hear from Bradley Thayer, founding member of the Committee on President-Dangered China and co-author of Understanding the China Threat. His comments after the break here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. President Biden making a visit to Israel Wednesday in a show of support for the country. China and Russia are sending a different message at their own meeting in Beijing. How much influence does communist China have on the Israel-Hamas war? And what fallout is the U.S. facing? We hear more from Bradley Thayer, founding member of the Committee on President Danger China and co-author of Understanding the China Threat. Bradley Thayer, thank you so much for joining us. Great to be back on the show. It's my pleasure to join you again. 
Now, President Biden has been vowing unwavering support to Israel amid this Israel-Hamas war, but China and Russia aren't taking that stance. They're instead condemning Israel for going beyond what they call self-defense. What's your understanding of the Chinese regime in specifics influence in this war, either directly or indirectly? Well, uh, there are direct influences from the Chinese Communist Party, first on Vladimir Putin. It's notable that Putin went to Beijing to meet with Xi Jinping, uh, the Chinese uh, dictator. And that definitely establishes that Putin is in the subordinate position in that relationship, as we've known for, for uh, a long time, and has only gotten in deeper with the Ukraine war. Uh, so that alliance is tightening, and that's a very important implication from the Israeli-Hamas war. Secondly, uh, China offers strong support for Iran, and Iran is directly implicated in the war with uh, support for Hamas, as well as uh, for uh, Hezbollah. So China is involved uh, directly by supporting uh, two major actors who seek to capitalize Iran directly on the Israeli-Hamas conflict and Russia indirectly through uh, distraction of the West uh, uh, on, uh, obviously, with this very important conflict uh, in uh, Gaza uh, and Israel. So behind it really is illuminates the real cause of trouble in international politics and the threat to stability is the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, that's the head of the snake, if you will. And Bradley, historically, we know from internal documents that the Chinese Communist Party wants to engage the U.S. in four overseas wars, one of which has to be a terrorist group. Now we do have the Ukraine war ongoing. Now we have this Middle Eastern war. There's now concerns about South Korea and Taiwan. What's your understanding of what we're seeing on the world stage? Well, it illuminates a profound vulnerability for Taiwan that as the United States is engaged in Ukraine and then also in the Israeli-Hamas conflict, that there's a window of opportunity for China to continue the path on which it is, uh, which is to uh, uh, prepare for an invasion of Taiwan. And notably, you, you mentioned South Korea. That's very important as well, because it's likely that North Korea could generate a crisis uh, to uh, further occupy U.S. attention uh, in the Western Pacific before uh, China moves against uh, Taiwan, moves to conquer Taiwan. So we need to recognize that uh, the uh, under Xi Jinping, the CCP is uh, incredibly dangerous and is likely to use this opportunity uh, to continue to pressure Taiwan uh, on its path to invasion, but also the Philippines. Other states in the South China Sea will also be pressured as a result of U.S. preoccupation with the Middle East and Europe with the respective crises in those areas, and Japan as well. Um, you're witnessing already uh, the continued aggression, and it was notable that the Pentagon released the videos of um, aircraft uh, buzzing and interfering with U.S. aircraft in uh, in essentially international airspace. And we should not, uh, we'd be remiss if we did not recognize the danger to the United States in Guam as well as in uh, the American homeland. 
And on that note, we're seeing a lot of anti-U.S. and anti-Israel because of the ally relationship there, sentiment, especially on Chinese social media. And now General Spalding was tweeting out that even if Palestinians are killed by their own rockets in the U.S. and Israel will be blamed. This is not about the war. It's about the propaganda it enables. It not only supports Iran, but also Russia and China. He's calling this Cold War 2.0. Do you agree with his assessment there? Well, well, certainly that we are in a, a new Cold War. This is a period of intense security competition between the United States and China. Uh, I think Rob Spaulding is right as well on uh, his assessment that uh, the U.S. will be blamed uh, and that the CCP is expert at uh, essentially uh, using these narratives uh, to advance its own interest and to weaken U.S. power in the Middle East, which is one of its objectives, not just to secure the Iranian uh, regime, but as we witnessed in March, with Xi Jinping's uh, negotiation between Saudi Arabia and Iran, uh, China wants to play and supplant the U.S. role globally, but also very specifically in the Middle East. And given this reordering, if you will, of world powers, what must the U.S. do now? Well, defeat uh, the CCP is what the United States needs to do. That has not changed as a result of the Ukraine war, and it has not changed as a result of the war between Hamas uh, and Israel. So, Tiffany, keep the pressure on the CCP. That's really uh, driving all of this. It's the center of evil, to update Ronald Reagan's March 1983 speech. It's the center of evil in the modern world. And we need to recognize that. And then secondly, anticipate additional crises. We should expect additional crises on the Korean Peninsula, as well as elsewhere, uh, to further uh, occupy the American intelligence community and military. And then thirdly, recognize the feet of clay, that the CCP is an illegitimate regime. And if we pressure them, they'll fall. Uh, they have profound vulnerabilities in the economy and their demography and obviously the, in, the incoherence of communist ideology for ruling China. And if we can keep that pressure on them, uh, then we could really eliminate the greatest threat to stability in international politics. Bradley Thayer, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Thank you, Tiffany. That's all for today's China In Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocusntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching. See you tomorrow.